Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell, as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be made so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Hire the Smile, the podcast that's HR focused, that covers all things human resources related in the veterinary field. As usual, I am here with my trusty colleague, Mike Pownell. Hello, Michael. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm just dandy. Thank you so much. I got to say, I am super pumped for the subject. We were discussing what we wanted to talk about, and then you slack this to me and I was like, yes, 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 let's do this. This is awesome. Timely. Tell us what we're going to be talking about. I'm excited. For sure. As we know, it's hard to attract and recruit staff right now anywhere, much less uh, experienced staff in the veterinary industry. So what we thought we would focus on today is how to do your best to attract staff. So that would be before we even get to the interviewing phase, how do you get eyes on your job ad How do you get eyes on you and what you're doing? And how do you set yourself apart from others in the space that are looking for staff? Because everybody is looking for staff right now. I work with a lot of clients who are trying to hire staff. I see everything that's up on Indeed or other job boards, whether they're specific to the veterinary industry or not. And a lot of it looks the same. You could ask yourself, well, how do I stand out? How do I make myself attractive to job seekers? How can I find the right applicants. So we thought today we would focus on just that question. So how do you make yourself stand out? What sets you apart? It's a job seekers market right now. It's not sort of good enough to say, hey, we've got a job and we pay money. It needs to be a little more uh, fluffy than that. What we thought we would do is focus on a couple of main areas here when we're talking about the candidate experience. We talk about the client experience or the customer experience, but really people who are possibly going to apply to work at your practice are also clients to some extent. So we thought we'd focus on how to improve the initial recruitment and interview experience because, you know, first impressions are the most important impressions you can make. Uh, And then we'll talk about also how you can really express what it's like to work at your practice and what sets you apart from everybody else. What is it that people come and stay working with you for? As I said before, we sort of talked about the how to make a hiring decision question before or how to conduct interviews, but this focuses on even more what comes before we even have people on a phone call where we're talking one-on-one. You know, as you're making that introduction and the articles we're going to talk about, this is a marketing discussion. Totally. This is pure marketing. And so looking at, um, we have marketing to create awareness of what our practices offers to get veterinary clients and their and their pets. This is the same thing and in, in considering that our staff are probably our not probably they are our first clients. Uh, without them, we can't service our real clients. 
paying clients. Paying clients. <laughs> we pay the first clients, exactly. the second clients pay us. That's a good way of putting it. And, and so this is pure marketing. You know, one of the definitions of marketing is to identify what a market needs and then how do you communicate that you offer it? And this is what we're doing here. So the first article is from uh, online magazine Factorial. And it's called How to Write the Perfect Job Ad, Seven Tips to Attract Top Talent. And, you know, a lot of these things are, are simple, but I'm going to be a bit, I'm going to go on a little limb right here. When you look at ads online or in, you know, state or provincial or country veterinary journals, I'm going to be honest, 98% of them are the same. Mm-hmm. They're boring. They say the same thing. All they talk about is there's a list of equipment. They talk about a great collaborative working environment. We're a family spirit. One ad looks like the rest. And then they talk a little bit about salary, but or they start off, uh, we're seeing that more and more of some of the companion animal corporate groups, it's just salary. Like, you know, it's almost like we talk about a race to the bottom of who can lower our prices the most. Now we sort of flipped it uh, to say, like, how much can we pay for staff, which is great for staff. But most ads are just yawners and nothing really says, hey, this is the kind of place I want to work at. And so for a lot of practices that can't pay the salaries that corporate groups are mm-hmm. able to pay, we got to be more creative and we got to start thinking, all right, what else are we going to get into? And we'll get into that in the second part. But let's talk about how to make a job ad that is going to stand out. And that's just for veterinarians. This is for support staff or anybody in your organization that they're going to go, wow, of the dozens and dozens and hundreds of ads for veterinarians and RVTs or LVTs, this one I'm going to call first. So number one is start with an inclusive job title. You know, So don't start using words like experts or ninjas or gurus. Not that we're going to use that in veterinary medicine. Just you're hiring registered veterinary technicians. You're hiring a, a veterinarian. You're hiring, maybe you want to have a, a senior supervising vet technician. So a little bit more inclusive. Job titles are important because it can also show internal candidates possible career paths within the company. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things people like, and we'll talk about this later on, is that there are roles and there's ways to grow within a company. Really key, and we'll talk about this more, I'm just going to mention it right now, is that really make sure that we connect roles and responsibilities to a bigger picture. Like, what does this company do? What's attractive about the company? Not so much the job, but what does a company do? Uh, and we'll talk about the mission and the values and vision uh, later on, because that's key. And that's one of the great ways that we're going to differentiate your company. As I said, you want to be able to show that there's growth, there's a career path, that the ceiling for advancement is not low. And I think if you don't have that in your organization, this is really an opportunity to step back and go, is this something that we can make? Like, are you going to be a practice that's growing? You have this growth plan over 10 years, or are you, you know what? We are a small two-vet practice, and that's how we want to be. You're going to change your approach a little bit, and you know, because there are, I would say, limited career paths. And so then you maybe are focusing more on that small team, inclusive, supportive, as opposed to career growth. Inspire with a job position. Some of us are we use the common phrases and that doesn't excite people as opposed. So here's an example. You can say a receptionist. 
And what's the image you have of that? Is somebody who's just sitting, answering the phones, putting up with customers, transferring calls to other people, or you can have a customer service representative, which is more customer service. And so, you know, that sounds like a more interesting job that probably has more facets to it than a receptionist. Similarly, you could have a kennel cleaner or you can have an animal care attendant. And the animal care sounds a lot better than a kennel cleaner. So, you know, when somebody's doing ads like, oh, do I want to clean up crap in a dog cage? No. Do I want to care for animals? Oh, okay. And the job is you're cleaning up crap and that's that's fine. That's part of the job. But it's just, we got to be a bit more show the promise of the job titles, really provide an honest description of the job vacancy. Really, studies have shown that employee turnover goes up when job descriptions do not accurately reflect the true responsibilities of an available role. And boy, I've had that. You know, we've had somebody that have come in and, oh, we want somebody for a a CSR, customer service representative. And they're like, oh, I can't wait to to play with the horses all day. And they're like, Mm. no, you're sorry. I mean, you'll see horses but you're not interacting with horses. And we sort of weren't emphatic with that in our early days. And when people would start and go after a couple of weeks, well, I'm not really any working out with horses and I don't like this job. I'm like, well, we told you, but I think we didn't tell them enough. So, And so one of the ways to make sure the job ad is as accurate as possible, and this is a great idea. It was one of these things that I thought I knew this, but I guess I didn't, is talk to employees who have worked with a person in this role have your employees help you write the job ad. And so A, they're probably of the demographic that you're trying to attract, but you're going to have a more accurate job description. This is what I love too. This sixth point is probably the one I like the most. And that is we typical, when we're hiring for roles within the veterinary profession, we're very excited to see previous work experience within that role. So if you're a veterinarian that, you know, hey, all their jobs have been with volunteering of vet practices, externing in vet practices, you know, summer student in vet practices. To be honest, I get those and I put them to a side as that second tier. What I love, and this is what this article says, is look for qualifications and characteristics from non-traditional experiences. So for example, people that have worked in bars or restaurants, I put that at the top of the list because, you know, if you have worked in a bar That means you've worked with drunk, emotional, unreasonable people, which is a lot like vet clients, not the drunk part, maybe, but (laughs) often not the drunk part, but you know, it's emotional. Sometimes they're unreasonable. You've learned how to handle it. I remember one experience and you know who the person I'm talking about, Katie, was a CSR who worked for us. And as I've all said, I mean, if you really want to know how your practice works, if you're the practice owner, leader, sit where the CSRs are. I remember sitting there just on my laptop doing some work and this you could tell this this poor woman was just getting berated by a client on the phone. You could be on the other side of the room and you just hear this voice and, and this screaming. And this woman was just so calm and just, I was like, wow, like this is, I want to wait till she gets off the call because this is just inappropriate behavior by the client. And, you know, do we need to have a chat with this client? Because that's not how you talk to another person. Anyway. Long story short, this 10-minute conversation, I timed at 10 minutes. She gets off, and I went up to her, and I just said, I commend you for how you put up with this just miserable person. And she was like, oh, that's nothing. When the restaurant I used to work with, I have people throw bread rolls at me. I'm like, are you kidding? She's like, yeah. 
So not that that was nothing, because that's not acceptable, but the kind of experience this person had from working in a restaurant really made her well-suited to being a CSR. Mm-hmm. And what is the last one then? Be a little sneaky. So we all uh, value paying attention to detail. So often when you're on the Indeeds or the LinkedIn's where you sort of have these automated job listings and as you're sifting through it and you're like, why are these people applying it? Like they have no animal experience. They have nothing like this makes no sense. And so what they say is put little quizzes in it or they have to send a return email with the job posting title in it. That just makes sure that you know that people are actually reading the ads and they're the right candidates for you and not just like spamming everywhere. Yeah, I think that that's a, <laughs> that's a good point as somebody who has sifted through those and you're kind of like, what is happening here? I think uh, on the flip side, I think that we have to make sure that we're pretty explicit about what's involved with the job. You talked about it before. And I know hiring for your practice for McKee Panel, a lot of the time, uh, say we're hiring vet assistants and you're very fortunate to be close to OBC, Ontario Veterinary College. There's lots of people who want to get into vet school. They want to be vet assistants. But if we want somebody who's full-time year-round, often that doesn't fit into a student schedule. So I, after getting a lot of emails from students who are available in the summer or very, you know, limited availability one, one day a week or something like that, it's like, okay, well, it's not like I'm angry that these people applied, but now I'm pretty explicit when we do a job ad for McKee Powell to say, we love students, but this is a, a full-time year-round position. So unfortunately, it's not suitable for students. So I think making it easy for people to see if they're qualified for the job or not is a big thing. So making sure that your postings are up to date and they're relevant. And I've said it before, and I'll always say it again, don't just cut and paste the job description, your internal job description into your job ad. They're two totally different things. For sure. And I think another point too, you know, as you were talking off the top about uh, how often job ads all look the same, Everybody says they want somebody who works on a team or, you know, somebody who's good with people. I think we have to go beyond that and be a little more specific. What does team player mean? Does it mean that you're there to step in if a vet assistant needs help in the, you know, in the back with a patient? So being more specific and descriptive about what that stuff actually means. Otherwise, you're sort of just picking and choosing sort of the same stead, tried and true, but boring ways to describe the role and describe the person you want. So try and be a little more creative. So I guess our next section is I touch base with a lot of our staff at my own practice, you know, preparing for this. I'm like, Katie and I can talk about this, but let's talk to the people that we've actually hired in the past year or two years. And before we get into that, so this is a little teaser. We're just going to take a little break because Katie and I, or Oculus Insights, are part of an exciting veterinary education event in the Toronto area later on in October. And we'll be right back after that. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Lee Baker. And Lee Baker is part of the Veterinary Education Today series. And we're bringing it up because uh, Oculus is very involved in their next event. So Lee, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you so, Mike and Katie, for uh, inviting me to spread the love about the Veterinary Education Today conference that we're very excited about. Um, it's so nice to be back in person for starters, but I'm sure you've heard that with uh, many conferences, but we all feel the same way. And nice to see everybody back. Uh, more importantly, we're very excited about our program that we have this fall. 
our advisory team are, are very proud that we can contribute more than 30 hours of race-approved CE that is targeting not just the DBM practice owners, everything for the entire team to experience. Shout out to RVT Month. Uh, we've got some great sessions that uh, the RVT would get a lot from as well. For those that aren't totally able to come to the conference in person or aren't quite comfortable yet, we do have a one-day virtual day that um, we are showcasing some great speakers from the U.S. and across the country. You can refer to the program at the veterinaryeducationtoday.ca Toronto website. But in a nutshell, we're really excited about uh, having Adam Christman speak. He's the Chief Veterinary Officer at Fetch DVM 360. He is delving into the magic of Disney and how it can relate to customer service. And for the RBTs out there, we have Jamie Peroni, uh, who is speaking about dental extractions and oral assessment on the dental patient. So you can, again, refer to the, uh, the program for more details on that. That's virtual. You can either purchase a ticket just for the virtual day, or if you choose to attend the full conference, that virtual day is included in your pass. And so that's day one. That's October 27th. October 28th is um, in-person at the International Centre, free parking, close to hotels, train stations, just outside of Toronto, Mississauga, uh, right by Pearson uh, Airport. Uh, so it's very accessible for all, all to attend there. We have a lineup of uh, clinical sessions, thanks to Oculus, some practice management sessions. Sponsors have uh, come to bring in some top quality speakers. So, for example, Royal Canin and the Canadian Association of Veterinary Nutritionists have collaborated to produce a full nutrition track uh, dedicated to everything to do with nutrition and the health benefits from uh, nutrition of puppies and kittens, preventing obesity, to uh, weight loss in dogs and cats, raw food diets, and the list goes on. Again, just as a little tease there, please refer to the program for more details. So we're really excited about that. From what Royal Canin and the CAVN tell me, we are the only uh, conference, to their knowledge as well, that have produced a full-out nutrition track. So we hope you'll attend that. We're really, really looking forward to that. And you have a career fair as well, too. What's that about? The career fair was uh, designed to, as we all know, the, the challenges that we're facing with the uh, staff shortages in the veterinary and well, around the world, it seems, and everything. But we wanted to address that and uh, give, uh, with our great subscriber base and following for the VET conference, we felt that it was our duty, really, to open up some avenues and explore some opportunities for potential employees and employers. Now's the time for employees. Obviously, they might be considering a transition or the grad students coming out. What are their options? Where should they look? It's not necessarily just companion animal out there, obviously, preaching to the choir here, but maybe they don't know all their options. And we are bringing in students from um, high school students, uh, grad students, pre-vet students, graduates, and those that are already currently employed. So it's again, it's part of the VET conference, but it's in a different area. You can register for free, no charge. Again, go to our website, veterinaryeducationtoday.ca. So that will point you in the right direction.
there are recruiters there from across the country, even in the UK, coming to uh, to meet you and looking forward to that. So we're probably looking forward to that. The other thing we've launched, Mike and Katie, that uh, I think your uh, your subscribers would be interested to know about is our community. We are developing a community site that will evolve over time to include a lot of uh, networking opportunities. Uh, at the moment, we are wanting to provide more education, more CE, all value added for those that choose to join our community site. They will benefit from many perks along the way. We'll be adding more. And we are fortunate to uh, announce that Oculus has collaborated with the VET community site to, uh, to produce monthly content. And knowing what I see and hear uh, from Mike and Katie and Oculus, there's going to be some really good, uh, good quality blogs and podcasts that uh, if you join the community site, you'll be able to participate and take advantage of and uh, never stop learning, as we say here at, at VET. And then the Saturday, just to kind of go back to the to the content. Oh, I should say back on the Friday, there's obviously great content, which we spoke about all race approved. But we also have one of the largest trade show floors in the veterinary uh, conferences in Canada. So a lot of sponsors and their exhibitors are eager to meet you, shake your hand, potentially win some prizes. Uh, you can have lunch on the show floor, sit and listen to our Spark Talks. These are 30-minute quick doses of uh, new information from case studies to new products. Uh, and just have fun and uh, just meet and greet people that you may not have seen in a very long time in person. And then enjoy our networking reception at four o'clock on the 28th. And that's sponsored by uh, my vet group. So we're excited to, uh, again, be able to just have a relaxed moment to reconnect with friends and peers and colleagues. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be presenting both in the main conference and in uh, the career fair. We'll make sure we'll post that on all of our uh, networks so people know what's going on. But uh, I look forward to having my first in-person conference in North America since way back <laughs> when. So thank you very much, Lee, for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you later this month. We're looking forward to having you. Thank you again. And thanks, Katie. Thanks, Lee. Take care. So, yeah, I'm excited for this conference. And we'll be posting uh, some of the subjects we're speaking on in case anybody wants to attend. As I was saying before, so, you know, we're talking about the interview experience. You know, we have a good job ad, we've sussed out, we've interviewed some people. So I went to a lot of our staff and I just said, hey, I'm Katie and I are doing this podcast. I would like to get your feedback from, you know, obviously you accepted the job here. There's a lot of jobs available. Labor market's getting a bit tighter now, but when they all came on, they had a plethora of choices. And obviously, I can be honest, some of them probably paid more than ours. Uh, definitely wouldn't be as fun, but... So here's some of the feedback they uh, gave me, and that is what they liked is that the interviews we had were conversations rather than canned or transactional questions. By having the conversations, we were able to show who we were, and it put people at ease. Interject as much as you want on this, Katie, because you interview a boatload of people. Yeah, I think for me, something I learned way back in HR school many moons ago was that an interview should be as the interviewer, I want it to be a successful uh, interview as much as the applicant does. 
And I know I have a very vivid memory of when I was interviewing for my first human resources job, going to a certain company and the person that they had doing the interviewing was like their financial, I think their controller, perhaps their financial controller. And she was just, it was terrifying, you know, and it was sort of like she was probing, trying to catch me in a lie or catch me out or something like that. And that's just such a, you can't be yourself when you are worried that like there's an ulterior motive to this interview. So I think it's really important to keep in mind, like you want this to be successful too. Not that you want to sort of make it so it's easy peasy and they don't have to make an effort, but people are going, you're going to get a much more accurate idea of what somebody's like if you are personable and you say, hey, you know, this isn't an interrogation. We're not trying to trick you or anything. We're just trying to have a conversation. But I always say, I'm going to ask you some of my fun HR questions, you know, really specific type questions. But before that, to get them feeling at ease, it's important to have it be conversational for sure. Absolutely. Along with that line is don't be afraid to show personality, joke, laugh, like be yourself. And, you know, and I like doing that because to me, it's a, it's, we are trying to be as low key an environment. We do joke, we do laugh, but it also helps us because part of these interviews is not so much as much as them saying, oh, this is a great place to work. I want to work with them, but will they fit us? And we'll, yes. we'll talk about working interviews later on. But if they have not a sense of humor, that's going to be a challenge in our organization. Really, you just want to give them an idea of what are the people actually like here? Give them an accurate representation. This was interesting. Make sure you actually read the resume, ask questions relevant to their experience. And many of the people I talked to said, it's, you know, you go to interviews and they're like, you know, they haven't read your resume and they just have these form questions. But you know what? I, I did this education or I did, I had this work experience. I want to talk about it. And we as interviewers should be asking themselves about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is interesting too. Be responsive. Tell candidates if they're still in the running, don't leave them hanging. If it's going to be a longer process for whatever reason, tell them why and when they can expect to hear from you. Back to the candidates or customers idea, like that's just decent human respect. As somebody who goes through a lot of resumes and does a lot of, you know, I always do phone interviews first, you know, just brief to make, see if I think somebody might be appropriate on the culture, on the personality side of things, it's, it's so important to follow up. If you say you're going to follow up and say, yeah, we're going to make a decision and you're going to hear by this time frame, make sure you actually do it. Especially in, in the equine veterinary world, it's very small, but even in the um, companion animal worlds. And for me, for hiring for people in the same geographical area, the same names come up that apply for these jobs. So they have experience with practices as much as you have experience with the same candidates. So you want to make sure that you have a good reputation. You don't want to have a reputation as somebody who wastes people's time or treats them unfairly. So it's really important to do what you're saying you're going to do. And then the last part is working interviews are crucial. Like they are so important. And Katie, I mean, again, you hire more people than I do. Why are working interviews so important? Uh, I mean, we've said it before that us as leaders or as managers or partners or practice owners or whatever, we can say, yeah, we think this person's going to be a good fit. But ultimately, it's the people who are going to be working with this person who should have the final say. We can both think of of examples of where we haven't necessarily followed this rule or certain people on this call have not followed followed that rule and hired people. And it's just been not a good fit. And the staff 
weren't necessarily happy about it and gave him a chance, but it was just never going to work. So uh, that's very important. But on the flip side too, it's really important for the person who's applying to get an idea of what the place is actually like. They can ask people questions. They can see you in action. They can see how, how you run an appointment or how you deal with clients and patients and just make sure that this is a really a good fit for them. And I think that's something that we forget is that People are really, especially post-COVID when priorities have changed, and we're going to segue and talk about this in a moment here, but people value different things now than they used to. Uh, and they want to make sure that they're somewhere that aligns with their values and is a good fit for them. And the working interview is a really great way to make that happen for them and to get a lot of opinions both ways on whether it be a good, a good fit or not. It was interesting when I was talking to the people that we've hired in the past couple of years. The one thing they all said is that fact that we did a working interview meant so much for the reasons you said, and it was their first working interviews ever. And they're like, it is a difference right there. Mm -hmm. So this actually brings up an interesting segue into a listener question that we had that actually ties into an article that popped up on the CBC uh, here in Canada a couple of weeks ago or in the past week. I won't read out the question verbatim, but it was basically like, should we pay people for working interviews? They're spending time with us. They're taking time to travel back and forth. Should we be thinking about paying people for them? So Mike, I don't know if you have thoughts from the article or you know anything that you picked up. You know, I read the article and you know, we have paid inconsistently, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And I read this article and I was like, of course we should be paying. Yeah. They talked about this one organization that pays people $75 for the working interview. And I was like, that's fair. There's preparation. There is travel to, uh, travel away. They're going to be spending time for the working interview. Nothing says I value my staff uh, more or when I say I value my staff and saying, hey, even if you're coming for a working interview, your time is valuable. I'm going to pay you for it. Also, if there's anything that you want people to prepare before they show up. So you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about how at times you've used, you've assigned sort of advanced questions to veterinarian candidates, you know, think about the time that they put into putting that together. And there might be multiple interviews, especially for a veterinarian with different people on your staff. So thinking about all that time that they take, and and this goes back to the kind of employer impression that you want to give people. Do you want to be known as the practice that values people's time and values the people, even if they don't get the job? I think that it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty clear and it is a bit of a no brainer. You know, I was just thinking before, you know, we're talking about the interview part and we should have an episode on our favorite interview questions or the actual structure of the interview. I know when when I've mentioned some of my favorite questions, people are like, Oh, I want to know more of those. So Mm -hmm. we'll be back on that one. It can be fun for sure. Okay, so we've talked a bit about how to make your job ad look good and some of the things that you should do in those very early stages of the interview process and even up to the working interview. Another thing that you really need to think about, and this is maybe a little more esoteric and it's something that's not necessarily you can just sort of jam into a job ad and and be done with it, but you need to make sure that you understand what it's like to work at your practice. And I think that that's an important distinction. You need to understand. I mean, you, you know, Mike, I'm saying you general, but Mike as the practice owner, you have an idea of what it's like to work at your practice, but the staff might have a different idea. And it's not necessarily a negative idea. I don't want to imply that, but they have a different perspective on what it's like. 
making sure that you are doing all you can to make it clear to people what it's like to work at your practice and more importantly, why they should pick you versus anybody else. And it really breaks down to the culture side of things and the benefits that you're offering people and that's compensation and benefits as well. So there are a couple of points here and a couple of articles that I sourced for some ideas here. Uh, One article is called you know, we love our bulleted numbered lists, seven ways to make your company stand out to job seekers. And this is on bmagroupglobal.com. And I have a feeling that they are a marketing firm, but super interesting. And another one called four ways to attract the right talent to your career site. Uh, And this is on recruitmentmarketing.com. So kind of the intersection of those two things. So again, A big underline here is to make sure that we're treating job candidates like customers. And I think that's not just sort of in the overt how we deal with people when we're in the interview process, but in that thinking, like you were talking about putting a marketing plan together, kind of putting that hat on when you're thinking about who who wants to work here and what kind of image do we want to show people. But really, you know, trying to get across what makes you unique and, and targets what job seekers are looking for, which have changed in the last couple of years. I think a big thing is, and we talked about stay interviews not too many podcasts ago, but taking the time to learn why do your current staff stay with you? And that stay interview is a perfect time, a perfect forum to gather that information and even to say, hey, we're, you know, we're revamping how we list job ads. Can you tell me what it is that keeps you coming back here other than the paycheck? What is it? Why are you here when you've got all of these other choices? So don't assume anything, just ask the question. Uh, another idea is to make sure that you work on your employer brand. And if you have social media and you have a website, they need to be up to date. I don't think there's really much of an excuse for that these days, <laughs> other than being busy. But if you have either of those online or any online presence, making sure that it's up to date. If you can uh, think about maybe uh, written or even better video testimonials uh, or day in the life content. So it doesn't necessarily have to be we're just doing this for recruiting, but it's always nice to have that kind of non-produced organic type content on your social media. You know, somebody saw a large animal vet saw something really cute when they went to treat some goats. Let's get that on uh, our social media if we can, obviously with the right releases from clients. If there are other things that you can do to sort of show what a day in the life is like at the practice. And this is the long game. You know, this is something that if a job seeker said, okay, well, heartland vet practice, what are they like? And they scroll back through your social media, what are they going to see? So thinking about it from that perspective. Katie, if I can interject too, but I also think when you're putting out job ads, when you have a careers page on your website type thing, this is where you have those videos too. So, and you know, in the past, we have had videos with new members of how they felt welcomed, how they appreciated the training. These are customer testimonials, but these are your internal customers talking about it really goes a long way. And again, that's something that's really going to make your ads pop out if there's a video component. Uh, The other thing we have done too, in terms of showing what's important to people, uh, whether it's work flexibility, so you can talk about that. But I know we have highlighted uh, before our veterinarians working pregnant to show that we're a very family positive and this is something that we embrace within our organization. A picture says a thousand words and you can talk about it all you want, but to have one of your vets doing some work while pregnant or having a short video talking about their experiences goes much, much further than anything you're going to write. 
Definitely. Yeah. I think having a landing page on your website, you know, what's it like to work here landing page type of thing that you can link from your job ad would be perfect. But I think aside from that, making sure that in your social media, you're highlighting any community involvement you might have or social responsibility achievements. You know, if you did a fundraiser, you're in your seventh year of doing the same fundraiser at Christmas time or at the holidays or something like that. Make sure that that gets onto social media. Mm And try and be engaging on social media as much as possible. If your last post was from two years ago, think about how you can start to to get your presence back up. I know we've obviously been distracted by other things and likely on social media, we had a lot of COVID protocol updates that were on there. Let's start sort of freshening things up and, and thinking about other things that we could put on there. So I think that that, you know, building that employer brand is all of what we just talked about, but it also harkens back to how you treat people when they are uh, in the interview process with you or in the recruitment process with you. So there's the employer brand side of things. I think highlighting your mission and values, making sure that you, they understand what your culture is like and really, you know, people want connection. People want to get paid, obviously, especially now with inflation. I know something that's become more important to people or is becoming more important to people is how does this job align with my values? And having, we talk about employee engagement so much and so much of that is values alignment. So making sure that you are, if you can be uh, explicit, outwardly explicit about your mission, your values, your culture, do you do employee engagement surveys? That's something that you can talk about or something that you could possibly uh, include on your landing page on your website about what's it like to work here. I think sharing the company vision, where's the company going? People want to know, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, well, we treat pets. Okay. But you know, what's the long-term plan? Do you want to get into orthopedic surgery or, you know, rehabilitation or, or what is it? What is it that you're working towards? I think letting people know that you have these thoughts and that you are, you're working towards something and you're guided by values. is just so important. Uh, because it's definitely not everybody is explicit about their culture and their values. That's for sure. Mike, do you have anything to add here? And again, this is another great way to make your practice distinctive because your culture is going to be yours. Neither, no judgment on that, but it is yours. And that's going to help you find the people that want your culture as opposed to somebody else's type of culture. So yes, it's a recruiting tool, but it's also, it helps you self-select as well too. Studies after studies after studies are showing that younger people in the workforce want to work with an organization that has a purpose or values that align with theirs. And so trying to bring that to the forefront as much as possible is huge. And so this going back to when we're writing the job ads, instead of talking about, you know, the generic teamwork, blah, 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 and all the great equipment, and which is indistinguishable from one practice to the other, start talking about what your culture is and your values. Have that in the job ad. Mm -hmm. That's going to make you start standing out. Yeah. I mean, there are so many good ways that you could still, you know, talk about the fact that you have all this up-to-date equipment and that you value continuing education. You could make that into a sentence or an idea and that'll be much more effective and reach people on a different level than just having bullet points, much as I love a bullet point, you know, as much as the next guy, uh, you have to be a little more descriptive. And I think the last thing, and we've talked about these subjects in other podcasts and sort of other contexts, but thinking about what the benefits, so aside from culture and vision, being able to appeal to what's important to job seekers now versus pre-COVID. So things like flexibility, Uh, You've talked about career progression or or opportunities for that. 
you know, making sure that your compensation is up to date as well. Uh, you know, I've worked uh, with a number of practices in the last few months, making sure that their pay bands or, you know, their starting wage and their top end wage are in line with what where the market is right now. It's not good enough anymore. I'm sorry to say to start people at minimum wage, like people aren't going to look at you if you start even your entry level jobs at minimum wage. So thinking about what you're offering, health benefits are really important to people as well. Thinking about what's your time off policy. We can't really get away with not offering time off anymore for sickness per se. What's your vacation policy? Do you offer volunteer days and how much do you push those volunteer days or how much do you make sure that people use them? Is there possibility for remote work for maybe some of your admin staff, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, talking about boundaries between work and non-work life, talking about time off. These are all things that you really need to think about when you are thinking about ways to make your practice an attractive place to work. Why I love this subject so much, and we could we could probably have a gazillion episodes on all this broken down, is to me, it's a magical experience when you're interviewing somebody who's out of school or, you know, just the enthusiasm. And I know I've talked about this before, but this to me is a very profound thing. When you sort of know that somebody's going to join your team, and whether it's for two years or 20 years, but you know they're coming into your life, you are part of their life. And I feel as a company, we have a great responsibility to not screw them up and to give people fulfilling work and uh, careers. And if we can do that, and you know, by that helping make the world a little bit of a better place, I think that's so meaningful. So this is not an automated check the list. This is an investment in time uh, and energy because if you do it right, this person will return it back to you multiple times. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.